Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. So excited for you to be here. Thank you to those who are watching online today. I want to go straight to the Word. We're in week two of a series called Peace of Mind. And just want to start out with an encouraging scripture, Proverbs chapter 12. I think it does a great job of connecting last week to what we're talking about today. It says this in verse 25, that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And I really like the New King James Version. It says this, anxiety in the heart of man, it causes depression, but a good word, say a good word, a good word makes it glad. And uh, I wanna talk to those of you today who are dealing with depression, maybe know somebody who does. And I know sometimes verses like that can seem very simplistic. Like, oh, a good word is just gonna make my depression go away. It's like, well, I understand it's more complicated than that, but here's what I will tell you that this is God's word. It's living and active, it's inerrant, and it gives us hope, amen? And so I believe today God's gonna give you a good word from heaven and uh, He's gonna speak to your soul. And so let's go to Him now and ask Him to do what we cannot do. If you will, stretch your hands towards heaven. Father, we thank You for who You are and we thank You that you're moving, we thank you that you're working. And God, my prayer today is we open up your word and we talk about this, this weight of depression, this thing so many people in our culture are dealing with on a daily basis. Father, I pray that you would speak to it, that you would lift the head of the hurting and save the spirit of those who are crushed, that you would just bring a good word today, that you would restore the joy of our salvation would you give us hope? Would you make it possible for us to have peace of mind? We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. amen. So how does somebody next to you as you take your seat? If you're watching online, thank you for watching today. Feel free to share the stream. Uh, if you're taking notes today, I want to talk to you about the weight of depression. Proverbs 12 tells us that anxiety weighs the heart down and causes depression, but a good word cheers it up and makes it glad. And uh, I want to start off and just say, I know that today's topic is a very complex issue. And so I don't want to oversimplify it. I think what makes it so complex is that someone can be dealing with depression and you have no idea they're dealing with it. In fact, as you hug somebody just now, as you are sitting next to somebody right now, chances are they may be battling with depression. That's what makes it so complex is you never know. I remember about eight years ago, uh, I I met a pastor who was young in ministry. I think he'd been married two years. Wife was really supportive. Everything's really going great. I mean, his ministry's growing. People are coming to Jesus. People are inviting their friends in. Everything on the outside looked really, really good. Um, He was the type of person that like, when you talk to him after you left, you just wanted to be better. Anybody know somebody like that? That just encourages you and, and builds you up. And And so everything on the outside was really looking good and no one really knew that on the inside, he felt really lonely. How many of you know that you you can be in a crowd of people but still feel lonely? And so he's struggling, but he's struggling alone and in isolation. And one Friday night, him and his wife got into a really, really heated argument and, um, and things began to kind of spiral out of control and he grabbed a fifth of vodka and began to drink the entire bottle. Now, if you've never fought with your spouse, downing a fifth of vodka probably isn't the best thing to do. And he grabs this, um, 
fifth of vodka. And of course, that didn't help anything and it made the situation worse. Well, then in, in a really dark and kind of almost manipulative way, um, he went and he got his nine millimeter. And he sat down and he looked at his wife and said, do you really love me? And as she begins to weep and affirm how much she loves him, he just had a hard time believing it. And so she did the only thing she knew to do, and that was to call his best friend. And as his best friend got on the phone, um, he, he began to speak truth into those really dark lies that he was believing and talked him out of that moment. And eight years later, I just want to say I'm so thankful that I have a wife who not just loves me on the mountaintop, but stood with me in my deepest valley. Who had a friend, not just to be there when things were going well, but had a friend that my wife could call to lift up my arms when they felt too heavy. You know, and looking back kind of eight years ago, um, I would have never probably even used the word depression. I grew up in the 90s. We didn't talk like that. And, um, and, and I kind of think back to like, why did I not just ask for help, you know? And, and I think the reason why is because I didn't feel like I could. Being a new youth pastor, I kind of learned how to fake it till I make it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you just got to like have this pressure on you that you're supposed to be the leader and everybody's looking to you. And I got all these teenagers looking to me and the, the ministry's growing. And I just felt like I had to be okay. And the church I was at never made me feel that way, but there was something inside of me that didn't feel like the church was the safest place to be honest about it. There was something inside of me that I felt like if I went and I told my pastor that the night before I downed a fifth of vodka and held a gun and almost took my life, I had a feeling I wouldn't be serving at church that week. I had a feeling I would be sent to some kind of mental institute and I, and I wasn't about to do that. I had bills to pay and it was just a really dark moment for me. I'd never experienced anything like it. I don't even really have a reason, maybe even why. Nothing crazy happened. It was just all of a sudden I just felt overwhelmed and trapped and scared and I felt unloved. And maybe you can relate. Maybe like me, you've had some well-meaning Christian come up and give you a Bible verse and tell you to pray about it and just get over it. And you're like, I tried that. Well, me too. And so let me just say this to you. If you're in church today, number one, I'm, I'm so proud of you because you're in a house where it is okay to not be okay. Right. And I need somebody to hear that. That it is okay to not be okay. But Jesus died and rose from the grave, so you don't got to stay that way. Yeah. And I love you too much, and I think God loves you too much, and he sees you, and he cares about you, and so it's okay to not be okay. But let me just say this in all love. It's not okay to stay that way. God didn't design you and destine you to stay where you are in that dark valley. He says we walk through the valley. He doesn't say we sit in it. He didn't design you to, to stay there. And so my hope today is that if you're dealing with depression, you now know someone who has. And I promise you, I'm not the only one. There's people all in this room that are dealing with it. You have no idea. They got a good smile and they look real good. And if you're feeling good about yourself right now and you're like, well, thank God I don't deal with that. You need to understand this is that depression doesn't discriminate and it can, it can happen to anybody at any time. And so, so please don't just, oh, well, I'm so glad. And I think that doesn't make you more spiritual than somebody. And let me just say this to you. If you're dealing with depression, um, 
I don't think that means you don't love Jesus. I don't think that means you don't trust God. I don't think you're crazy. I think that God still loves you and God still sees you and God still cares about you. You're, you're, there's nothing necessarily wrong with you, but you just need to understand that like, if you don't deal with it, let's be a friend that knows how to be, people, be with people on the mountaintop and knows how to lift people in the valley. Amen? So I wanna not just speak to those who deal with this, but also speak to those of you to help people around you at your work and in your family that do. And I'm not no expert. Just because I've had dark moments doesn't mean I'm now just qualified to speak from a clinical standpoint, but I, I spent a lot of time with people. And I've said a lot of times back in my office where people have, belt, have dealt with depression and anxiety and they felt overwhelmed and they've believed those dark lies of the enemy. And I've walked with a lot of people through a lot of stuff. And I've seen people do some of what we're gonna talk about today and, and overcome it. And, and I've also had to did the funeral of my cousin who died by suicide. One of my childhood friends I had to bury who lost his life to suicide. Um, if you didn't know, suicide is the number one cause of death for teenagers in this country. And, and so what I wanna do really quick is just give you, just educate you a little bit because depression is complicated and there's a lot of things I've read and a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of therapists that, I, that I've, I've been in conversation with and there's a lot of different causes of depression. In fact, a lot of people will say there's about nine. Um, I wanna try to boil it down and make it really simple because I think if we, if we just kind of boil them all down, there'll be four root causes of depression. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is, bi is biological. That there is a chemical Im imbalance in your brain. Um, there's a hormonal imbalance in your brain, in your body. And, and there's a lot of women, you've experienced exactly what I'm talking about. You've had a child that you were so excited about. And then afterwards, something just was off. And you went through postpartum depression. Um, it could be something to do with your diet. It could be a, a chronic illness. But, but there are biological reasons for depression. The, another root cause is circumstantial. And where I think this one would fall is if, if you've went through something traumatic in life, maybe, um, maybe you lost someone that you really love and the only thing you really wanna do is you just wanna be able to talk to them again. And, and it's, it's like every single year or years and years go by and like you're not choosing to be sad. It's not like the, the, the anniversary of somebody's death and you just choose to be depressed, but it's almost like your body knows. It's almost like your body knows what's happening and all of a sudden you, you, you become depressed. Maybe it was a financial collapse, but it was just, it was a specific circumstance that now triggers and causes you to kind of really go into a dark spot. Or, or it's relational. That's probably the third root cause. It's relational. And what a lot of times happens is we're not perfect people and we get in really difficult relationships with people and we struggle and maybe somebody you really love, y'all aren't getting along right now and it's, it's caused you to be discouraged and now it's led you to the place of depression because discouragement is often the door to depression. And, and maybe, maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe your parents split up. But, but there's some type of relational strife. And the final root cause is it's spiritual. And I would say if you or someone you love is going through depression, it's definitely this last one and the other three probably. 
But don't make no mistake, I'm not the pastor that's going to tell you that, you know, there's a devil under every rock and let's just blame the devil. But I do need you to understand that we shouldn't minimize it, that we have a real enemy, that this battle is not just against flesh and blood. The Bible says he's roaming around warring like a lion, looking for somebody to devour, to kill, steal, and destroy anyone that God cares about. And let me tell you something, the most important person in this world to God is you. You have a real enemy trying to, to take you out. And so I don't really know what may be the cause for you. It may be all four. It may just be one. I do know it's spiritual, and I can speak to that one. And I came, this isn't going to be just a depressing message. I came to give you a good word because I think a good word makes the heart glad. And I just want to proclaim this over you and remind you the promise that God gave Jeremiah, that he knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, can we thank God for that truth right there? That's a promise from God, and I want you to stand on that promise, but I also want you to understand it. Because we put that on bumper stickers and coffee mugs and t-shirts. But what a lot of us don't realize is that when God made that promise to Jeremiah, it was after he told him that there would be 70 years of imprisonment to the Babylonians. And his job as a prophet was to be the mouthpiece and the voice of God to the people of God. Imagine that being your job. He's going around and he's not telling people, hey, yo, the, the best is yet to come. He's saying the worst is yet to come. And for the next 70 years, Solomon's temple that we love so much is going to be torn down. And the people you love are going to die. And you're going to watch them be killed by soldiers. You're going to watch them get deported. And everything you love is going to get destroyed and ripped out of your heart. But God knows the plans. Well, they didn't like that news. So after he penned that famous verse in Jeremiah 29, they sunk him in a mud pit up to his armpits and they poured water over his head and threw stones on top of him. And it was from that hellhole after he got pulled out that he penned this, in, th th this book, these poems from how he felt in that moment after God gave him that promise, but his life was in hell. And he penned a book called Lamentations. And I want you to watch today as we open this book up and as we talk about it, I want you to see some of the descriptors that he uses about how he actually felt after that moment. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Lamentations chapter three. That's where we're gonna be. We're gonna take a look at a couple verses here and I just want you to pay attention to how this great man of God, after seeing his loved ones murdered, After losing what he valued most, I want you to see what he says. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He's driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. He's laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. He's made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. Watch this. He's walled me in so I cannot get out. He's weighed me down with chains. And I think that that's a really great description of how if you're battling with depression, you may feel. You know you've been forgiven. If you don't, you've been forgiven for your sin because of Jesus, but you feel like you're in chains. 
And he says, I'm alone. And I'm dealing with the, the chains of darkness. And he says, I feel numb. I feel like I'm a dead person that's been buried for ages. And I feel discouraged. And I feel trapped. And I'm dealing with the chains of discouragement and the chains of loneliness and the chains of pain and the chains of sadness. I'm, I'm dealing with the chains of anxiety which weighs my heart down. And then he says this, even when I cry out and plead for help, he blocks out my prayer. Anybody ever felt that before? It's almost like your, your words are chained that you cry and ask God for help and you're struggling and you believe that there's a God who is able, but he seems like he's unwilling. And he goes, I, God, I, I'm struggling and I feel like my, my life is in chains. And then he says this, I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. And then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. He says, I continually remember them and have become depressed. He says, I feel like I've been weighed down by chains. I feel trapped, I feel alone. God, you gave me that promise, but it feels like that promise is void. And, and I just remember all I've been through and I remember those moments in that pit and I remember them well. And he says, and because of that, my heart has become, it's become depressed. And if you can relate to Jeremiah and some of the emotions he describes. I wanna give you this because I know sometimes people have dismissed you and pastors have dismissed you. If that's how you would describe how you feel at times, I want you to know your emotions are valid. Your emotions are valid. Jeremiah's emotions are valid. And the second thing I wanna tell you is I know that it seems like all hope is lost. Those are two truths I just want you to hear me say from my mouth that your emotions are valid and I know it seems like hope is lost. They're true, but they're incomplete. Your emotions are valid, but I got good news. They ain't permanent. Your emotions are valid. Like you may feel discouraged and you may feel alone and you may feel isolated and trapped and feel chained down by anxiety and chained down by depression and overwhelmed. And I just wanna say they're valid, they're not permanent. So here's what that means. We're not gonna make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. And we're not gonna draw permanent conclusions based upon temporary emotions. I know everything in you feels like quitting. And the, the thing you might wanna do most is isolate yourself. And the thing you might wanna do most is, is just be alone and run away. And everything in you wants to leave and everything in you wants to run and you don't know what to do right now. And something in you is telling you that it would be better to just down a fifth of vodka and swallow some pills or get out a gun. And, and there's someone telling you, it's a voice from the enemy that he's saying this in your ear and you've heard it and you know exactly what I'm talking about, that people would be better off without you. 
Look at me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And it is never true under any circumstance. People will not be better off without you. If God didn't want you on this earth, you would not have breath in your lungs. But God still has a plan and a purpose for your life and has a way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it to good. So God has never walked out on you. Don't you quit on him. I know your situation seems hopeless, but let me give you some good words. With Jesus, there's always hope. I know that it seems like life is over. I know, I know Jeremiah has, feels like a lot of you feel that there's no light at the end of the tunnel and all hope is lost in the future. But God is working when you don't see he's working and he's working out the thing you're worrying about and he's in control and he's sovereign and everything will bow at the name of Jesus. And so you don't have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Let me give you a good word from heaven today. God is greater than the enemy that's against you. And I need somebody to know that, yeah, it might, it might be real and the motions are valid, but they're just not permanent. Yeah. And you may seem like you have no hope, but you are not hopeless. You have a God of hope. And so how do we actually deal with the weight of depression? Write this down. I want you to start with, I want, I want you to get some help. Now, I know that might not be the thing you thought I was going to say as a pastor, but I just want to say this to you. If you're dealing with depression, you need to get some help. You can't do this alone. You can't fight this in isolation. You know, the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It was solitude. The first not good God gives as he looks at Adam and he says, man, it's not good that you're alone. So I'm gonna give somebody to help you. I'm gonna give somebody to stand beside you and lift your arms when they fall. To have your back when you feel like nobody else does. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you this woman to be there beside you. I, I need somebody to know because everything in you wants to isolate. And I'm just telling you, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, you gotta get some help. And hear me. Help isn't a sign of weakness. Help is a sign of wisdom. Yeah. This is why Proverbs 12 says, the way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. This is why Solomon says in Proverbs 20, plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Don't just try to fight this thing without getting help. Don't just try to fight this thing on your own without some wise advice. You need somebody, which is why Ecclesiastes 4 says that two people are better off than one. Why? Because they can help each other. And if one person falls, the other can reach down and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't come for those who didn't think they need a doctor, but that those who know they are sick? Those who need help, come on, somebody say, I need help. Come on, if you have depression, you need help. If you're battling anxiety, you need help. If you're single, you need help. If you're married, good Lord, you know you need some help. Come on, if you're a parent, you need some help. If you're a grandparent, you need some help. If you're an empty nester, you need some help. Heck, if you got blood in your veins and life in your lungs, you need help. And I need somebody to just say it with me. Say, I need some help. I think that's where we got to start. You got to know you can't do it alone, but I also then need you to write this down and know that you got to take care of yourself. And I know that doesn't sound spiritual, 
This is why third John says, I hope all is well with you, that you are healthy in body as you are strong in spirit because your mind, body, and spirit are connected. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just well-meaning and we're like, oh, just kind of get over it. Trust God. Yeah, of course, trust God. Of course, pray. But you got to take care of yourself. And you do what you can do. And you ask for help with what you can't do. And then you leave it up to God. I'm not saying it all ends on you, but I am saying it begins with you. And people can't help you if you won't help you. Now hear me. If you're the one doing the helping, it's not your job to save. You're not the savior. It's, it's your job to point them to the one who can. And it's your job to love them. And it's your job to shoot them a text. And it's your job to make a phone call. And it's your job to pick them up and take them somewhere and invite them into your home. It's your job to check in on them and find words to encourage them. And it's your job to sit with them at church for two or three services or whatever you got to do to let them know that what they're going through is temporary and they're not alone. We got to learn, y'all, how to sit with those who are hurting and weep with those who are weeping and not just celebrate people on the mountaintop, but walk with people through the hell they're going through in the valley. But you, but you have to get some help. I'm going to tell you, one of the things that lifted me out of that season more than anything else is, yes, I prayed and yes, I trusted God. But I'm going to tell you, I gained 35 pounds in my second year of marriage. And if you would have asked me why, I'd have blamed it on my wife. Come on. <laughs> Newlyweds. But the truth was, is I wasn't taking care of myself. And the way my spirit began to get healed is I actually just started working out. And I started eating healthy. You do know the crap you're putting in your body can affect your soul, right? And so I just, I got on a diet and I watched what went in my mouth and I watched what went into my mind and I started working out and I just went to the gym and I changed what I was listening to. When listening to all that crap anymore, I was listening to the word of God and I cut on some worship music. And let me tell you what happened. Not only does God meet you in a church, God can meet you at a gym too. And I'd be in there and I'd be doing, I'd be doing curls for my one girl. And then all of a sudden I would just be weeping and people had no idea what was happening. And what was happening was not only was my body getting stronger, but my soul was getting set free in that moment. And I'm just here to tell you, like, you, you got to get some help. You can't do it alone, but maybe the best thing you can do is you can take a nap. Come on. <laughs> Whew, anybody thankful for a good nap? You need to eat some good food. Men and women, but men, look at me. It is sinful for you to not take a Sabbath. God rested. Why are you so prideful to think you don't need to? If you're a workaholic, listen, you will drive yourself in the ground. And here's my fear. People have built lives that, are, that, are, that they're able to do. They're just not sustainable to do. If you're not careful, you'll run yourself into the ground. And so maybe you just need some rest. Maybe you need to cut your phone off. Maybe you need to get in the floor and play with your kids and take your wife or your husband on a date every now and then. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying it's all on you, but do what you can do and ask for help with what you can't do. And then we're going to trust God for, for the rest. Because listen, if you don't, here's what happens. And I know it will feel well. You will find yourself living isolated, and alone, and when you're isolated and alone, those thoughts start to spin, don't they? And you begin to lie to yourself. And you begin to tell yourself things that are not true, but feel true. 
And I know where that can lead. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll find yourself in the same place Jeremiah found himself when he says this in verse 20. He says, I remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually re remember them and have become depressed. There's a term for that. I continually remember. It's called ruminating or self-talk or processing. And, and I'm not telling you to never name your emotions. In fact, what I would encourage you with is doing what Jeremiah did, is naming your emotions. So if you feel mad, say you're mad. If you're sad, say you're sad. Because naming your emotions is the doorway to changing your emotions. But you gotta be careful to not ruminate. And what is ruminate? A cow is a ruminating animal. You know what cows do, correct? They eat grass, and as they get it in their mouth, they chew it, and then they swallow it, and then they spit it back up in their mouth and they chew it some more and then they swallow it and then they spit it back up in their mouth and they chew it some more and then they swallow it. And each time it comes up, it gets a little nastier. And the same is true with your thoughts. That yeah, that thought came in, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, that thought doesn't have to take you captive, you can take it captive. And if you're not careful and you don't learn how to take that thought captive with the word of God and with the promise he's spoken over you, you will ruminate it and it will come back up. And every time it comes back up in your mind, it gets a little bit grosser. And all of a sudden it gets a little bit darker and you begin to believe all these lies and they feel true. And in the moment you believe they're true, but, but they're not. And it's because you're ruminating. But then Jeremiah does something. I'm gonna give you a good word here. He says, yet, somebody say yet. He says, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, is anybody thankful for that word? Why don't we give God some praise for that truth? He says, I'm depressed, I'm struggling, I'm alone, I feel trapped, I feel weighed down by my anxiety and it's causing depression. Yet I call this to mind. So not only do we get help and not only do we do what we can and take care of ourselves, but we remember our God. You gotta remember your God because it's easy to remember the pain. And sometimes it can be easy to forget God. Now, this isn't number three, because that's where you start. You start with God, make no mistake about it. I'm just helping you walk through a process here to understand if, you're going, if you have any chance, if you, want to really, if you really want to become healthier than you are today, you got to remember your God. And he says, I call this to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Hope in what? That the Lord is faithful and saves. Can I tell you? Look at me. The gospel is not about your love for God. The gospel is about God's love for you. Amen. And it's not about how much you love God. It's about how much God loves you. And you're gonna have those moments where the last person you wanna talk to and the last person you wanna think about is God himself. But I got good news, let me give you a good word, that even when you run away from God, God never runs away from you. And even when you fail God, God will never fail you. And even in those moments where you feel separated from God and every thought you have feels chained down and you feel separated from him. I got some good news, Roman 8 tells me. It tells me that nothing will separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So yeah, you may feel separated, but you're not. And in those seasons, you wonder, where are you? 
he's close. He says that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he saves those who are crushed in spirit, that he heals the soul of the hurting, binds up their wounds. So yeah, you may be struggling, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have a God who loves you and sees you and cares about you and promises, I'm never gonna leave you even when you wanna leave me. Come on, can we just take about seven seconds and praise a God who is close? Amen. I love that word he uses. He says, yet, what a powerful word. You may not be where you wanna be. Let me give you a new word, yet. You may not be as healthy as you wanna be. Let me give you a new word, yet. You may not have it all figured out, yet. God may have not answered your prayer, yet. He's faithful. And he sees you and he loves you. And therefore I can have hope in him, not because of my faithfulness, but because of his. Listen to me, when you fail God, he doesn't fail you. His mercies are new every day. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, his mercy's new for you, friend. It's new. You don't need another second chance. You need a new beginning. Every day is a new day. And I just want to give you a good word, hoping that somehow God can use it right now to lift up your spirit and restore the joy of your salvation and give you hope in a dark season to know it ain't over till God says it's over. I read the end of the book and guess what? We win. Depression has to fall and anxiety has to flee and the devil must bow under the mighty hand of God. So yeah, it's valid, but it ain't permanent. Thank God. You remember your God. And then I love what he does in verse 24. He says, I say to myself, sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. He says, I say to myself. So sometimes you, it's not just enough to remember the promise of God. It's, you got to start preaching the promise of God. You got to preach the gospel to you that, yeah, I'm not where I used to be. I'm better at where I am now, but I still got a long way to go. And so in those moments, I start getting prideful. I got to remember it wasn't my goodness that saved me, but it was his goodness. And in the moments I'm discouraged and I'm, I'm despaired and I'm depressed and I'm hurting. I got to remember that God lifts those up in the valley that Jesus came to, to die for and raise again for those who know they need help. You got preached to yourself. He says, I say to myself that the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Not my hope in people. Not my hope in opinions. Not my hope in my feelings. My hope is in God. He is my portion. He is my source. He's where I get my strength. He's where I'm able to have a peace that surpasses understanding. Not because it's just something I have, but because I have God with me. That I remind her that he's here and he's with me and he's gone before me and he's behind me and he's beside me. And I'm not giving you some solution today to find peace from it. I'm giving you some solutions to actually find peace in it. You gotta preach the gospel to yourself 
He is my portion. So yeah, I I may go, God, I I need help. And I want to encourage some of you today. One of the most spiritual things you can do is, is go and actually see a doctor and let them see if there's a biological issue going on and actually clinically diagnose you and give you medication. So let me lift the shame off the person right now that's on antidepressants that don't make you less spiritual. That doesn't make make God not love you. God's not against you. God's not angry with you. I'm tired of people walking around with shame because some well-meaning Christian told them that that's not okay. Listen, God created the minds that created that medication and it's there to help you, not hurt you. But hear me, your source ain't in medication. Your portion is not in pills. Your portion is not in people. You are not your savior. There's only one savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, will you stand to your feet with me? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. Man, I hope this is a good word to bring joy to your soul. He says this in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Somebody say rest. He asked him this question. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. I just wanna ask you today, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, he says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What a good word. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. What is Jesus calling you to do today? He's calling you to give him your weight. Come on, find somebody next to you and just tell them, say, give God the weight. Give God the weight, give God the weight. I don't know who I'm talking to that's dealing with a chain of anxiety or the chain of being overwhelmed or the chain of being lonely, the chain of being discouraged, the chain of depression that has weighed your heart down. But you came to church today, not just to go through the motions. We came to church today to give God honor and give God glory and give God praise and to give God the weight that weighs us down. Can I get an amen? It's time for some of you. It's time for some of you to flood this altar and give God that weight you've been carrying. And I want to just proclaim this over you. And I want you to say it with me. Because you're not in this fight alone. You have a God that's gone before you. Say this with me. Say, he's in it with me. He's working through me. He's fighting for me. God is not against me. Come on, say that with me. Say, he's in it with me. He's working through me. He's fighting for me. God is not against me. Come on, lift a hand towards heaven. Sing that. Come on, say that. He's in it with me. Yeah. He's working through me. Fighting for me. God is not against me. Come on, let that flood your soul today. He's in it with me. He's working through me. Fighting for me. God is not against me. Come on, sing that again. He's in with me. Working through me. Come on, receive that today. Fighting for me. God is not against me. You with me. Come on, 
feel somebody's joy coming back today. Come on, come give God your weight. Come give God your weight. He can carry you. So Heavenly Father, we just ask now as we come and we pray to you and we seek your face that you would heal our hearts. You would let us know that you're close. God, thank you for being with us and fighting for us. Thank you for not being against us. We thank you that you love us so much to not leave us where we are. We trust you now. We worship you now. We give our weight to you. And all of God's people said, come on, all of God's people said, come on, let's give God our weight today. Let's give him a shout of praise. Sing that with us. Strong and courageous when I don't feel like I am. You could have turned me away, but you chose me instead. You say that I'm gonna make it when I don't feel like I can. Come on, church, I'll sing that right now. Come on, believe it. You're here with me, working through me, fighting for me. God is not against me. Come on, that's for somebody today. You're here with me, you're working through me, fighting for me. God is not against me. Yeah. 
make some noise if you believe that today. Amen. We're going, we're going to do something. I know we're a little bit over. We can, we can wait, but um, I want to do something different today. I'm, I'm not actually going to make you close your eyes for this part, but I want you to know you're not alone. And so today, if you would just be so bold to say, I, I'm actually someone who needs help. I, I need Jesus. I need people in my life. Right now, wherever you are, you just stretch your hand and say, that's me, that's me. Now keep them up high, look around. The next time you feel alone, I want you to see the hands in this room and let you know you're not alone in this, that God is with you and so are His people, amen? So Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for those who are hurting. I thank you for those who are bold enough to say they need help. Would you put people in their life? Would you put wise counsel in their life? Would you meet them where they are and love them? Heal them today, in Jesus' name, everybody set. Amen, I wanna pray a second prayer for those of you carrying a weight and you've never given that to God and it's the weight of your sin. You tried to earn it, you tried to buy it, you tried to religion it, but today you're going, I can't. I believe the good news of the gospel. It's not about my love for him, but his love for me who went to the cross and died and resurrected, still in the keys of hell, death, in the grave so I can be forgiven and set free. It's by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of, the, not of your own work so that nobody can boast. So if that's your prayer today, will everybody just bow with me? And if that's you today, on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand. I wanna acknowledge you, not gonna call you out. Just wanna lay eyes on you. If that's you today and you're giving your life to Jesus, on the count of three, just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for the hands lifted today. I thank you for the hearts and lives you're saving. We believe what you did on the cross for us was enough. And we celebrate that today. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray. Everybody said, Come on, church, let's just celebrate a good and risen God today. Come on, give Him your best. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.